Kia ora and welcome to Win Lem's uh, Silent the Podcast uh, bonus episode. Uh, so, we, um, yeah, I mean, you're here with Aaron and Dale. Hello. How you doing, Dale? Ah, not too, not too bad. How about yourself? Most likely tired, most likely yeah. straight under everything. Yeah, it was straight, straight from Mahi, straight to putting the kids to bed and, and right here. So, I don't even have a coffee, so I'm oh, regretting no. that. You know, <laughs> deep, deep regret. At least you um, could sleep after this. Uh, yeah, well, maybe. Kids aren't <laughs> sleeping at the moment, so there's that. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, we're, you know, we're doing something a bit different tonight. Um, you know, normally we, and we're in the middle of our, our homelessness series at the moment, and we've been, that's sort of been the, the format of our shows is, is kind of doing these um, different seasons uh, around different topics. And we're going to continue doing that. Um, but one of the things we're also really interested in doing is trying to, I guess, speaks to events that are happening within moments um, and just to have, you know, an opportunity just to have some conversations that are connected to things that, you know, we're all talking about at the time when we're talking about them. Um, so, you know, you might see some of these bonus episodes pop up in the middle of our season. So we'll get back to those series that we're doing, but it's just an opportunity for us to have a bit of a quick chat. And um, we're going to stretch ourselves because we're, we're really, um, we normally talk way too much, don't we, Dale? Yeah. <laughs> That's so, good. So, 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 help us to stay. So we're going to try to do this in one shot, you know, unedited. So this is Aaron Dale, unedited. Boom. A hot take. Yeah. Can we do it? Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, let's try. So what are we talking about today, Dale? Uh, well, it's the... Hot topic in the news, the Ram Raids. Boom. Mm. The young offenders. Ugh. Um, I mean, it's been pretty... It's been all over, just all over YouTube, all over the news. Um, I don't think I've... I don't think I've had a conversation without someone bringing it up <laughs> recently. Um, so what's your take on the response that we've had both in the media and from the politicians yeah it's it's interesting right um i sort of it's funny because we get these moments that just feel like stuff gets whirled up into this whirlwind and you know like actually um young people being involved in crime and you know even these ram raids aren't necessarily new um but you know it's getting a lot of attention at the moment I think initially I was fairly disappointed in some of the commentary on it um, when the conversation first started. You know, there was a real focus on, hey, these are bad kids who just need to get locked up. You know, I remember I watched, uh, there was one interview sort of beginning of the week last week where um, Paula Bennett was on saying, hey, yeah, most young people are great, but this group of kids, they're just bad kids and they just need to have some real like harsher and heavier rules on them. Um, so the police can surveil them and pick them up and do what they need to do. And um, a lot of the the conversation was really focused around that punitive nature, more police, harsher punishment, as if that was going to be the thing that is going to prevent these crimes from occurring, which I mean, I don't think is the case. Mm. Well, I've definitely um, seen uh Luxon only talking about it being, um, you know, heavily gang affiliated. Um, but I think there was a police commissioner, not too sure. Um, 
or saying that the fine that's not really the case um it's maybe some are um but it's definitely that that uh old the old faithful for national the hard and fast labor's week on on um on crime i mean it's the tried and true normal sort of um what we expect when these sort of conversations come up um you know often people revert to the whole harsher punishment you know um get tougher on crime get more police um as if that's sort of a response to this sort of stuff and i think we've been really conditioned to believe that punishment is the way to prevent crime um that if we just got harder on people and if we just um punish them um that that would make our community safer um i don't i mean i know that that's not the case um and and i guess in the very beginning of this conversation we had a lot of people that really don't really you know with all respect don't know a lot about the complexity of this sort of stuff and and don't know the people that we're talking about and aren't involved in their lives and yet we're chucking out some really heavy soundbite solutions i'd say um that sound great for the camera and get picked up on headlines but actually don't point us towards any solutions um, real solutions, meaningful solutions. Um, so yeah, I was probably a bit, you know a bit disappointed in the initial response, and I've reflected a lot over this last week around how powerful um, the decisions that uh, certain you know media producers, editors, whatever make um, regarding the voices that they choose to privilege, right? And there were a lot of people that aren't experts on you know youth development, youth crime, justice, punishment you know, prevention, all of that sort of stuff that got given platforms that directed the conversation in what I think is a really unhelpful way and a conversation we've had over and over again. And we're not saying yeah. it um, bear much fruit, you know? No, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I didn't really see. I haven't seen any conversations with youth workers, but from yourself um, regarding this. So, you, yeah, you're definitely right. There has been a bit of a one-sided response. Um, but I have seen I've seen a little bit of a little bit of um pushback as to whether um yeah, whether it is just a matter of um of just laying down the law. Um sort of looking at the the side of that it's it's a very complex situation um with a lot of these kids. But do you find like there's also the possibility of being too um again like <laughs> being on the the their type take a bit a little bit soft like almost showing sort of compassion in all cases if you know what i mean um there's an article that um that Aaron wrote you some of you guys may have um read it um this was in the newsroom um, and I guess one of the, the big highlight comments there is there's no bad kids, only hurt ones. Um, and I think a lot of times that is that is the case. Not not everyone has the same opportunities. Not everyone has the same um, same positive inputs in in life or, or positive situations or in places where they feel like there's you know, hope or future, you know, you know, you know, big future, which can a lot of times end up leading to these. Um, 
but it's also at the same time not always the case. I know, you know, personally have know a few people who have been involved in these types of situations and and honestly like they've had they've had loving families, they've had um you know opportunities extended to them. Um where you know you you're shocked, you're surprised at the decision they've made. Um you know, it almost goes against all reason as to why they've done what they've done and why they've chosen to to go down this particular path. Um, you know, a con- essentially made a conscious decision to go down this path. Um, yeah, how do you how do you balance that then? How do you balance your response to make sure that look people who make these decisions that there's consequences, you know, that they're held responsible responsible for what they've done. Um, but I guess also making sure that you don't condemn everyone, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah, and and I think there's there's pretty few things in there um, that that we could respond to. Um, you know, like that's a, just your first question around like oh. Um, that question around uh there's no bad kids only here at once i, I stand by that statement like a hundred percent and i i hear what you're saying around sometimes it looks like people are coming from a place of privilege or wealth or whatever and they still get involved in these sorts of crimes but you know even as i said in that article i've, I've worked with young people across the um divide sort of of from uber rich kids who you know dad's taking them on a helicopter at the weekend to like um you know the extremities of like whole farmers living in poverty like i've i've been in all those spaces and i guess what i've learned is that when you see this sort of stuff coming out in someone's life there's a reason for it and i guess that was the point of my article really like what is the reason and we should be responding to that rather than reacting to the behavior so the behavior needs to address this we'll come mm-hmm. to that mm-hmm. but there's a reason that this is going on if we respond to the reason we actually might prevent the behavior you know and yep. so um what i would always challenge people is if you see someone you're like oh you've got you, you know you're all good you got a loving family you got money you're doing well uh, in my experience when you sit down with people and you're really able to um, get their walls down there's something there right some hurt some disconnection some some something that people are searching for um that is leading to behavior especially when it's you know behavior that is harmful to self or to others um and that's something that you can't always read on the surface you know you can't always tell from how much is in mm. someone's bank account or you know, how well connected they seem in their life. Um, there's a lot of ways to struggle in, in different ways. And we don't always know, but that, you know, if, if there was a young person that seemed like they had it all together and they were getting involved in the ram raids and all that sort of stuff, I would be asking, okay, what's underneath this. And as a youth worker, that is, that is what I would be um, trying to support the, their whanau themselves to understand. Yeah. Mm. yeah we do have a we are in quite a unique i suppose that's uh, possibly true for any point in time i feel like we're in a yeah a unique period in society where things are evolving so fast and 
I guess things in the world it just can seem a little bit all over the place, a little bit hopeless, a little bit confusing, you know, for a lot of people instead of like what the future holds. And I suppose for these kids, it'll be the same. Um, yeah, I find it, it, it is difficult because you think of, I, I always think about, um, you know, when people argue for harsh punishments in, the, in these um, in these cases, or even to take it to like um, things like the the benefit, for example, you know, people. Um, I don't know. Sometimes people look at it and be like, okay, people are going to take advantage of this. Um, you know, we should be we should be doing this and this and this um, to make sure that people can't take advantage of it or to stop that. Um, or not do something because some people would take advantage of it. Um, but then by not doing that, you risk, you risk those who aren't, those who are in, really, in real need, you know, not getting the support they need, if you know what I mean. Um, so where, you know, you could be like super tough, um, tough with these kids. Um, but you might find, a, a, you know, a couple in there really needing support they haven't grown up in a um you know the best of environments um mm. and you're, you're kind of con- condemning them um or, or where, you're, where you're putting more responsibility and more um maybe harsh punishments on parents parents who you know are struggling themselves probably um you know you can't always control what teenagers doing um And some people might not have the skills to to deal with that type of thing. You know what I mean? As parents, it's difficult enough with now myself. Like when I'm dealing with my kids, even though they're young at the moment, it can be very difficult. Um, you know, and I, I, I like to think I had good good support. Um, and I have good support, and I have certain skills that was sort of uh, you know taught to me, um, and I find it difficult. Um, and you can have people in situations where they haven't had, some of them haven't had a family at all, you know, and they're trying to raise kids in, in difficult environments. And it's going to be seem a bit unfair sometimes that um, I guess people would want to then impart strong, um, you know, strong punishments on parents who, you know, and then in turn making it more difficult on those kids. I think again, and it's going back to what you said about like um, that question around, can you show too much compassion? Um, and, you know, what's the, the line between too much punishment and too much compassion? And, you know, I think, um, I think there's some ways of thinking about justice and um, prevention and all of this stuff that's just unhelpful. Right. And, and we've been conditioned to believe that, punishment through the way that we do it through the justice system is preventing crime and keeping our community safer um the reality is it's not you know so the justice system the way we've set it up um largely and i'll talk about youth crime soon but but largely is a very punitive system which causes further harm traumatizes people um further than the way they were before when they enter it and doesn't make our community safer because they get spat out the other end and the same, you know, driving factors that led them to first get involved in crime 
um, all that stuff's still there. They come back out into our communities and it just continues. And it's probably worse than it was before for many people, right? Hmm. Um, and so this is what I've been sort of, you know, talking about is that we need to not react to what is going on. We need to respond. And the first part of a response is you need to understand what the context is. You need to understand what is going on for those people. Now, there is a lot of diversity in, you know, we talk about the RAM raids, the group that are doing these RAM raids at the moment, there will be diversity. There will be your old kid who's from a really wealthy background. He's got caught up. He's looking for connection. He's looking for belonging. He's looking for love. Um, and he's finding that on TikTok, right? You mm. know, doesn't have a community. You remember, you know, one of the bros that's been speaking to this is um, our mate Hads from Zeal. Um, used to be a break free, messy represent. Um, he sort of made this point, you know, like these young people, you know, you see them on TikTok. That's where they're finding community. You know, we've had two yeah. years of lockdown where young people haven't been connected. They haven't had those, per, you know, good role models, those good relationships. And um, social media has become a place where you can get validation if you're not getting it anywhere else. And so for some young people, that's it, right? But for a lot of them, that 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 plays a part. But a big contributing factor is poverty for a lot of the young people in this group getting involved in this crime and repeat offending. So we know that youth crimes actually, you know, you wouldn't know it because of the way we've talked about this conversation over the last week or so, but youth crimes on a down, downward spiral, it's been, it's been dropping. Um, and a lot of that is because of the proactive um, work that has been done through um, the, the youth justice sector to um, not take young people to court, to divert them away from that, to do whānau hui, get the community together and start to engage with that young person. Okay, what's actually happened that you led you this, to this point? Can we prevent you from continuing down it? And can we work as a community um, to actually ensure that you don't repeat offend? And we're seeing success in that. You know, uh, New Zealand's a, a world leader in the way that we are doing that. There's so much more we can do, but we see some success. Where we're really struggling is with these groups of young people, you know, who are from really already structurally marginalized communities that don't have strong community networks around them. Um, young people like the ones that I work with who, who are experiencing homelessness, um, who also have experienced, you know, significant trauma, who have come through the care system. And so their complete support next um, system is just ruptured, um, who uh, often uh, have, you know, intellectual disabilities um, or neurological disabilities, um, like FASD and others um, who are, have some really significant mental health challenges around depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress, PTSD, um, that sort of stuff. This is some of that context that we didn't talk about throughout this whole conversation. So a lot of these young people, and I know some of them that are involved in this, they are really traumatized kids. And so when you say, hey, we just want to throw the book at them, lock them away, do that. Like, you got to remember one, these are children, you know, so some of these kids are seven, you know, eight years old, 10, 11, like they're kids. Really? Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that, that's what you're advocating for, right? Um, you're advocating for children to be punished severely. Um that is not going to fix this issue. They are still so young. Mm. We've got a we've got an opportunity to capture these young people and actually provide them with the support they need. And a lot of what they need is healing, connection, community. Um, yeah. And we need to actually get serious about hey, the biggest connecting factor behind a lot of this stuff is poverty, is the fact that you know. So I had a I had a young person say to me the other day, hey, you know those guys doing the ram raids, they're the ones on the benefit, you know, because we can't we can't afford to get enough to eat this week. You know, 
the reality is we pay our young people who experience homelessness and don't have whānau support like a poverty wage just to get by. Mm. And, it, and it makes people desperate, you know? And so what I see in a lot of the young people that I work with is a hopelessness. They don't see that they've got any stake in this society. When you say, oh, you shouldn't steal from those people, they're like, well, yeah, but like, what's the world done for me? You know, like, and it, it's not like you can read that as being really selfish, but actually like they've had the worst happen to them in our society. They haven't been looked after. They haven't been cared for. And they don't see a prospect of a future. And that's a problem, you know? And that's something that we can respond to. And that's something that we can actually make a difference about if we respond to it. The alternative is we push them down into this heavy, punitive system, which continues, which fails to address what's going on pushes them through the justice system, spits them out the other side and it just continues. And the crime continues. People continue getting hurt. Businesses continue getting robbed. Or we respond to those things. And and, and I think we see a difference. We see something change. Mm. Yeah. We're all going to have to come up with some sort of collective response and something that is... Yeah, really need to think about it because it's going to get worse with the cost of living going up. Inequality is just going to get keep pushing up. And it's a well-known fact that as soon as there's inequality, you see a, a rise of crime, particularly violent crimes. And, and you've got a, just a society which pushes um, you know, consumeristic ideas at all times, um, which just makes the inequality more apparent, you know? You're just kind of like showing all these people what you don't have. You know what I mean? There's a life that, there's a life that, 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 you know, there's a life you want to live. Um, when there's no way to get to the, you're going to see quite a negative response. Yeah. And, and I mean, like, once again, like a lot of this is chosen. I'd say like these are political decisions around the way that we structure our society and the way we, distribute resources within our society and we you mentioned the benefit before right um i wrote another piece recently um and in the newsroom as well around the youth payment right um and yeah so if you want to know more about it you know go there um but you know basically you know young people who are on that payment are young people that have not been able to stay at home because they're unsafe they had to run away they weren't wanted in some cases they're kicked out um sometimes there's just a lot of complexity right um sometimes they have just never um been able to stay with their parents because of their whanau's challenges right we give them 275 dollars a week on the benefit to get by and i wonder like man like could you live on that you know like Mm. it's 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 you basically set up a system where these young people, no fault of their own. So you want to say, oh yeah, they should work hard, but you know, do you want like, do you want 16 year olds like in school or do you want them to be working a dead end job on a poverty wage for the rest of their lives? Right. So like these are teenagers, they're 16, 17 year olds. And we've decided that, you know, the bare minimum is enough for them to survive on and they're not surviving on it. You know, they're finding ways to do, but some of those ways to survive are what we're seeing in the media headlines at the moment. Right. 
And so like we can make different decisions. We can say actually, well, how do we actually care for this group of young people to make sure that they do have enough to be able to access housing, to be able to, you know, get, you know, the, the essentials that they need to just be a teenager, to eat, to, you know, get to school, to access public transport, all of that stuff. But we've made other decisions which keep people in poverty. Yeah. Well, we've got an interesting time coming up now with um because with a bit of recession and stuff looming that I feel like the people who are currently in power or I guess ruling well you you'd hope they mean to be the, the party that will push uh you know sort of present a, a bit of movement for this type of thing. Um but we're definitely gonna be having national and um come next election. I, I don't see our Labour's gonna keep it. Um national's pretty pretty popular at the moment, at least in the polls. Um and I think with the recession coming I don't think anyone really trusts Labour to to get us through a recession. Um so yeah, we'll see whether you're gonna get the hard in the you know the strong stick approach or <laughs> Look, we we know. Like, all you have to do is like look at the research and the study that has been done on this over years, right? We know that the stick approach doesn't work once again because it's not responding to why these things are happening. It just punishes people after it. Um, but but you know, like you talk about, you mentioned sort of labor, national, whatever. Um. To be honest, like this stuff will change when we decide we want it to change, right? Like those parties generally are fairly centrist parties. They lean one way and they lean another way. But when um, our current government came in, they came in calling for transformation, right? And we've had incrementation. Why? Because the majority of New Zealanders are fairly centrist people, right? No one really wants that big transformation. So we see these small little changes, but but the political will isn't behind it. And so what I think is actually important is for us to sit back ourselves as communities and actually say, what do we value? Because you, if, if we as a society value a certain form of society you know that we live in a society where people's human rights are upheld where people have access to the resources they need to thrive where we have a certain justice system that does a certain thing like those values will filter through like i often reflect on that actually you know i'd say that our governor is more representative of us than we sometimes like to think um governments politicians you know they have their values all of that but they they want to stay in parliament right and if the majority of people want something else then you'll see those policies, especially in the major parties, you'll see those policies shift, right? If we want a different justice system, then as a community, we've got to have that conversation. We've got to make that known and we'll start to see that change, I believe. Anyway, um, I don't think it's about hoping Labour will fix it or National will fix it. It's actually about being honest about what we value and, and where we value. And and I guess I'd say like that if you value punishment, that's fine like but it's not fine but you know if that's your perspective like that's cool but it doesn't work and 
all you're doing is creating a system that is going to punish people after they commit a crime. And you might say, well, cool, that like they deserve that. Okay, we could talk about that. We won't go into it fully, but you're still only punishing them after. Now, if you want to prevent that crime from occurring, then you invest in the things that we know prevent those crimes from occurring, right? And that is actually yep. by responding to the drivers of the crime in the first place. And if you do that, you're going to reduce crime. Hmm. Yeah, for sure. Has the um, has there been any um, sort of special response from police in this? Like, what's their what's their view? Are they wanting sort of more that, that you know of? Are they wanting um, look what you know? What I've heard from police actually is being far more focused on hey, like this is a community response. They not a lot of the police I work with as well often um, understand that more punishment and more police don't solve the issue. Chris Cahill, um, was it Chris? Uh, the the uh, leader of the police uh, association I'm not too sure. uh, came out and um, said that basically um, more police isn't what's going to work. So, so, you know, he talked about how a lot of police time is getting sucked up going to mental health. Um, oh, you yeah, know, yeah, things sure. relating to time. people who are just struggling and need support rather than police. You know, mm. it's really funny because when this conversation started, had a really similar case and this happens all the time, but you know, I got a call um, from the community about a young couple that I knew um, who were in the middle of a, a really heated argument, right? Um, me and one of my team were just around the corner. We managed to get there and we managed to de-escalate the situation. And then once again, respond to what was going on. And when we actually dug into it, um, it was poverty, mate. You know, it was actually, they were worried about what they were going to do, um, how they're going to eat tonight. They're worried about how they're going to get through this week. They're worried about winds sort of coming down on them on a couple of stuff that they, they had been concerned about and, you know, trying to navigate that system. And they had this massive argument, right? Two minutes later, the police turned up, but you know, at that point we'd calmed it down. Um, mm. The police in that situation would have just escalated just because of who they are. And, um, and so, you know, when we start to talk about like how we solve some of these issues, there's, there's been this sort of, and it's become such a hashtag. And I know that it turns people off. I'm just say the word, please stay with me. And I'll explain it. Um, this whole concept <laughs> of defund the police. Hold on. Uh, it's not saying defund the police is not necessary. I mean, there's a spectrum. Everyone has different perspectives, right? Um, but the, the whole concept is not necessarily getting rid of the police entirely. And I think we could, talk about a society where that was unnecessary but if we're talking about that now it's about ensuring that we put the investment in the solutions that actually can respond to the needs in our community that you don't have a police officer dealing with a mental health crisis you have a mental health professional that you don't have a police officer dealing with an addiction issue it's it's an addiction an addiction specialist mm. that you you have the right people um in the right places to meet the right needs and police officers are not those people and they would admit that themselves um, and have admitted that themselves and so you know if you want to use that word if you hear that word and you're sort of trashing it all the time like 
that's a, that's a big part of the conversation. It's actually saying, well, instead of just putting more and more investment into the police to deal with a whole bunch of stuff that they're not equipped to deal with, we should be investing in our communities um, and ensuring that our communities have the the tools and the resources they need to activate um, actually the resources they already have in their communities. And one of the conversations we've been having over the last week is actually the need for more youth workers. You know, so um, Afisa Collins came out and said this, Fiso's a uh, councillor and Auckland councillor and he's also running for Auckland Mayor and he talks about the need for more youth workers in our communities to connect with our young people and to get them connected to the right services to get them connected to their communities now that is a solution right we've seen that work we know the power of that um, you could put a whole bunch of money into hiring more police officers but that's still going to be more on the punishment side of it and not actually going to stop the crime from occurring. Or we yeah. can invest in the people in our communities who are actually already there. You know, like I've worked in and out of communities where you've got amazing people um, who are really passionate, volunteer their time. And man, if you could just give those communities a bit of resource, they would be able to activate some really solid mentors in the communities that could do a whole lot of good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely good to have like targeted responses and people who are specialized mm. to handle situations. Yeah, yeah, man, it's it's a lot to think about, and it's and you and you can see where people um not 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 really lose interest, but um it's almost like the the easy the easy response just to just to be like oh, just chuck they lock them away. <laughs> it, yeah. it, it is easy, and and I yeah. think like going back to one of the questions you posed at the beginning, like um, about accountability and this idea that it's easy. Like we've talked about restorative justice on the show before. And I, I like, I'll refer you back to some of the conversations we had in the first season where we talked to Chris Marshall and others um, about restorative justice and what that is. Restorative justice and the principles of it are not easy for mm. the person. It is much easier to never face the thing that you did. And to get locked up and never never have to deal with that. Um, it's easier for society. It's easier for us because we just chuck that person. We ignore the circumstances that actually all of us as a collective have participated in that led that individual to that place where they are today. And that person never has to, it's easy for them in, in a way because they never actually have to face up to what they did. Now, restorative principles mean that we actually face the thing that you did. I did something wrong. I need to make it right. How do I make that right? Mm. You know? I did something wrong. I've hurt you. How can I, you know, there's probably a bunch of stuff I could never do, but how could I, you know, bring healing, bring reconciliation? Um, what, what is it that you need in order to be able to, to heal from this, you know, to be able to move on? It is, it is far more victim centric. It's far more centered around the needs of the person who has been hurt and been wrong than it is often given credit for. Most people, you know, a lot of people that I that I um, that I've talked to, and also, you know, and, and what I've read would, would say that actually, like a lot of victims don't often feel. And there was a report done actually a few years ago. Sorry if I can find it, I'll link it. Can't remember the, the name of it now, but it was when the Labor government first coming in and they did a whole review of the justice system, and they found that actually a lot of um, victims did not feel that even you know through the court process that their their rights were being upheld, that they actually were being heard through the system that we have at this stage. Um, yet when a truly restorative justice process is run the victim has a voice and mm. they get to actually dictate what what happens in terms of 
what needs to happen in order to meet the need or to, to reconcile this or to heal the thing that's been broken or to um, make up for the thing that's been taken from me. Yeah. It's a harder road. And you can, you can still work it in a way where um, you, you know, you can act sort of just the same way if, if the victim doesn't want to be involved at all um, because they feel, you know, it's a bit too much for them. Um, you know, they can still be done. They can, um, yeah. yeah. Well, so, so, you know, an example of that is the family group conference of the whanau hui, where um, the, the victim gets an opportunity to come and to, you know, share how that has impacted on them. But if they don't want to, then that's also okay. But that young person still has to come and face a group of their elders, their community, um, people that they respect and love and has to own up to, okay, this happened. What can I do to fix it? And often the victim's voice will be represented there. You know, okay, so this is what we need or this is what we want or whatever. Um, but that young person has to face it. You know, they don't get to just do it and run away. And there's so much um, opportunity for healing also for the person who has done the wrong in that as well as accountability. But it's not an easy road. Not when it's done right. Mm. I feel like we're all in, in a unique you know, in a unique place like New Zealand is, we'll probably, we'll probably spend and act as if we were bigger, but, you know, we, we have decent amount of resources. Um, we're also small enough, you know what I mean? Where, where things aren't done on a massive scale. Um, where, where, where things like this can be tried um, and, and, and implemented and probably ways where we won't um, sort of have the same type of complexities as a place like Australia or the US with bigger populations. No bad kids there. The more you think about it though, like the more you think, the more I think about it, the more I agree. Like, yeah. I'll take that one. Yeah. You can take, <laughs> I got you some, take I got the, some, take that I got some, dub. Yeah, I got some great feedback this week. If you want to send us feedback on the show, please do comment, message us. We love it. Yeah. Right. Um, but one of my favorite emails this week was, uh, hi, Aaron. Um, Aaron's the problem. What, what's the problem in New Zealand? Aaron's the problem. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Uh... There is a problem. So no, no specific. Just, just you. Uh, he, he went on. It was, it was a bit, bit of an email. And, uh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, was it to do with this, this, these no, Yeah, this yeah. And another one was Aaron's and a These are direct messages. They like found me. And if that's you and you're listening to the show, I'm glad you did. Welcome, welcome. Um, you're a, a an apostle for heathen layabouts very creative okay right yeah yeah so anyway love the creative feedback please do send it in we, we, we enjoy it um you know ah oh, oh, it's so hard man like i mean i just said you know the more i think about it the more i agree but then then, then I, I still come back to the you know I mean, not, you know, not to go into UT and stuff, but I mean, I, I know some people where 
where I know 100, you know, like you would say, like this circuit could be some underlying stuff, but I know, I know where they've just, they enjoyed the attention, not attention, uh, yeah, not the attention, should we say the community? But they but, enjoy the community on the other is, side more than the community that they had. And what does because it Because they say, found it more fun. And what does it say about the communities that we have? You know, look, well, I would, I would. I can tell you, I can tell you right now. The, the, community they, the community they had. Yeah. In comparison, you could say was timid or, or boring, I suppose, in a way. Then there was this other community where there was free reign. So you're saying that there was do what you want. There was an unmet need it. there. You're saying there was, there was an, an unmet need. There. there was an unmet need that they found in this other community that they found, but an unmet need in what? You know what I mean? Well, but you're so, not gonna have you're not gonna have fun everywhere you go. You know what I mean? But like, but, yeah, you can. This is this is, I guess, where I would like once again challenge you that there's, there is likely more in that than you know. And what's on the hood may not be what's underneath. And like I just say that when you get beneath it, there's something, and it might not be something that makes sense to you, but there will be yeah. something there. And if we're building communities and societies where we're able to respond to those needs, then we actually prevent people finding belonging, connection and community in ways that are ha- harmful and unhelpful. And so you know, maybe don't get caught up on the one individual, but like, actually, what is no, no, this? For sure. What I'm saying is like, this is one individual and you could have more than just one individual. You know what I mean? Where they might not have, sure, they might not have as much as a person to, you know, two doors down type thing. Sometimes not having as much is not the same as having nothing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, or not the same as not having enough. Mm. And sometimes I look at some of these situations and it's like, you had enough. And looking back, they would also agree that they had enough. They they weren't for want, you know what I mean? Um, so I think it's, it's difficult then um, because they, you do have kids who you know, went through pretty, I mean, I, I've seen now even just walking through, you know, the local school with local pre- playground and stuff, you can see there are kids who don't have, you know, a good community around them, don't, don't have good, maybe family structure type thing, um, or support. And definitely, you can see when 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 there there is a bit of misbehavior there, you can understand it. You know what I mean? And and you you and you know I have compassion for those people, and and I don't look at them and think that's a, a naughty kid as, as such. You know what I mean? I think there's there's tough situations, but yeah, it's 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 definitely hard to know how much is, is due to that. And I'm sure you, you know, you, you experience a lot of it um, because in your line of work, you, where you do see those cases. Um, but I, I'm curious to know how many cases, Holly, that you don't see, you know what I mean? 
that you don't get to, I guess, see or engage with because, you know, your 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 work is is, is particularly helping those who are in need and, and those who are in those tough situations. Yeah, and and Does I guess like, yeah, but I guess to that, like I would still say that there is a reason behind people's behavior. People don't just do things, right? There is a reason people are looking for for a need to be met. And and as I said, I have worked in higher decile wealthy communities as well, and I've seen the same things, the exact same things. Poverty, as I said, is the biggest driver, and is yep. the reason most people are. And you still may have um, you still may have people that seem to have every other connection in the world. But there is something else going on. Mm. So, so what is the thing that's going on in that person's world to bring them into this world, right? What are they looking for that they're not getting there? It might not make sense to you what that is, but the black and white yes or no is that the fear of punishment is already there and it's not, it doesn't work to detract people and yeah. it doesn't work to, to move them away. The question is how do we respond to those needs and make sure that we have the resources and supports to respond to those needs so that we can deter people from coming into this world. If that makes sense. Um, mm. I, I, I still think it's a matter of, of responding, not reacting, understanding what's going on and providing the, the appropriate response to that. Have you seen any, um, like particularly from, I mean, where there be parties who, <clears throat> advocate for the i oh, sorry drink some water who advocate for the um, harsh punishment approach because a lot of them have you know said harsh punishment but we also need to make sure we're providing the support have you seen any ideas being put out there or, or you know i guess was things being proposed in terms of providing the right support yeah, I mean, I think once again, like, it's, it's probably important to acknowledge that our youth justice system, there are a lot of good things working in it. You know, our family group conferences, you know, preventing young people getting engaged in the court system as quickly as possible. Mm. Um, and this is where I come back to inequality and poverty is that the group that is struggling to move out of that reoffending are the groups that are suffering on the, the, the heavier side of, you know, um, poverty and inequality because they don't have those structures so you're talking about your 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 friend who's you know well connected mm -hmm. and got a community if that young person gets an intervention they're more likely to not re-engage in crime because probably probably what's going to happen is in that intervention in that family group conference we're going to figure out what happened and we're going to support that person to get connected somewhere else they're going to face up to it they're going to be consequences it's going to be you know accountability and then there's going to be the right support on the top of that so that mm. works right um often where it falls down is when that young person doesn't is have. doesn't have that right it's actually you're coming to doing this family group conference but actually they live in like they're couch surfing they don't have somewhere to live you know they're in and out of motels you know mm. they're living on the street they don't have enough food to get by they've got a community that's already really um you know their you know connections around them aren't strong and they don't have those, you know, healthy, strong people in their lives that are able to help them to come out of that world. That's where we see the repeat sort of offending and the recidivism, which is a small group. We need to keep acknowledging that. And so what for that group, what's going to help the most is ensuring that all of those young people. And I think it's like, there's number like around 200 young people, right? It's not big. We can actually solve this, right? Yeah. It's actually, right. And we know who they are. You know, so, so if you listen to the media, you would have thought, 
over this last week, the media is sort of buzz and there has been some good media stuff. I'm not saying media, media, but anyway, yeah, yeah. like if you nut down into the numbers, it's small. We know who they are. We can provide actual real interventions. And, and some of that would be ensuring that they have the basic, you know, for a group of them, that older group that are some of the ones that I, I know, like actually ensuring that they have housing, that they have support, that they've got community around them. That's really important. Um, so there's some bigger pieces around poverty, around benefit levels, around, um, you know, youth homelessness and developing a strategy to end and prevent youth homelessness. There's some, some bigger stuff here. Um, but one of the solutions that has been talked about and been advocated for by you know, a lot of youth workers recently is more youth workers in our communities. Because the youth workers provide a really imperative role in our communities that is not always valued or acknowledged. But, you know, our role is to be those connected, is to develop strong relationships with young people and then create community spaces of belonging and connection where young people can find that connection in a space that is safe with, you know, trusted mentors around them and also get connected to their whānau, to their elders, to the right supports and services that they need. Um, through this healing and trusting relationship that they they develop with a youth worker, and so that that is something that we could be doing um, now. You know, you know, you, yeah. you want to put all that money into police. Well, I'd say put it into your community. You know, let's make sure that we've got those resources within our communities who can go out and do that outreach work, connect with those young people that are out there. Um, another thing, there's some community responses that are that are happening um, already sort of in, in, in the community. One of the things that I'm a part of is trying to develop a coordinated access for young people who are at that extreme end, who are turning up sort of on the streets and they're being identified and we're starting to see that they need some support, but to actually make sure that we're getting the right community services in a room who we would often all know about and actually just streamlining support to them. So, okay, cool. We know that this young person's out there. Um, let's get them connected to you, you and you, and let's like give them the support they need and work mm. together as a community, contracts aside, all of that aside, just work together to get the young person what they need as quickly as possible. And, and that work's happening in, in collaboration with the police and with Oragatamaruki um, and with a lot of amazing community services. Community services. So there's some real good stuff out there um, and there's good work being done. Um, and we do have, we do have work to do because, you know, um, we have had a couple of years of lockdown where a lot of, you know, a lot of that community, um, those community assets and strengths and those community spaces have just been disappeared for young people, you know, youth group, yeah. you know, once again, the bro heads on, on the breakfast show um, talked about how, um, you know, all those things that give young people life, like, um, you know, youth groups and music and dance and sport, it's all been non-essential for two years, right? They haven't been able to yeah. do that GoPro social yeah. activities. It hasn't been there. So we need to invest in that now. You know, we need to actually ensure that we're investing in developing our communities, building good, safe youth spaces for young people to come get connected, find belonging. I, I think those Definitely. are, it's not rock. It's not brain science, you know, it's, it's pretty straightforward and we know it works. Yeah. And especially with housing going, you know, the way it is, you know, being so expensive um, and I guess people only being able to afford smaller and smaller homes. It's, mm. you know, it's going to be driving people out, uh, you know, particularly young people out to go, you know, they're going to want some space from the family, no doubt. Um, yeah, and we drive them, you know, into the streets and other places to try and find entertainment to find, yeah, like you said, community and good time and stuff. So it's important that we make sure that we're, 
you know, putting together the right programs and facilities for young people to be able to, um, yeah, I guess find community, find positive, positive things, things that they can get involved in. Yeah. And, and it's not all government, right? It's, it's you, it's you, it's me, it's us getting involved in our communities, you know, mm. um, being aware of the young people in our community, you know, not treating them as, you know, scary beings, you know, actually like saying hi, you know, if you know Fano that have got young people in their home, you know, building those relationships. If you're, if you're keen to volunteer in a local sort of youth group or church or community group, like those mentoring relationships are really powerful. Um, yeah sure people power bro that's what's that <laughs> part of the people yeah man all right cool well i think that's that's about it you don't have any coffee but my hot chocolate's cold so <laughs> yeah i'm craving coffee though <laughs> i'm craving it and it's not great though because it's it because you got yeah it's it I want you, it. Got, you got an addiction there just said but it's I do. I do. And it's something <laughs> we need to talk about maybe on another show. Maybe you can stage an intervention, but I probably will make it. You, you can intervene on, your, on my coffee addiction and I can intervene on your coffee addiction. Yeah. Let's, we'll let's meet up for coffee and let's talk about <laughs> it. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> All right. Hey, well, thanks for um, joining us on uh, the special bonus edition of When Lambs Are Silent, the podcast. Um, yeah. Go a long way if you rate and review. Let us know what you think. Um, share this around and join us on the conversation. Kakite. to When Limbs Are Silent, the podcast. Rate us and give us feedback wherever you are listening and join the conversation by following us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. The music in this podcast is from the album Dissonance by Jess Jackson and Leanne Shelley. Listen to more from these artists on Spotify.